Good morning, everybody. Really good to be bringing a message to you. Our reading comes from 2 Kings 5. Alice is staying on the stage because he's going to bring it to us. 2 Kings 5 and verses 1 to 19. All the words will be on the screen, but if somebody has quickly found a church page number... 371, 371, then if you want to look it up in the church Bibles that are in in your chairs, then do 371 uh, from chapter 5, verses 1 to 19. Thanks very much, Alistair. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, 
I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. Thanks so much, Alistair. It's good to have that read to us, isn't it? Alistair has many talents, but one of them is reading God's word in a way that helps us to take it seriously and to treasure what is, what is there. It's really good to be here. Let me add my welcome uh, to you. I'm Ken Benjamin. I'm normally here, but I've been away just a little bit, especially I add my welcome to those who don't know me because they're friends uh, visiting for the dedication of Florence or those who just happen to be with us today. You are really welcome to join us for the welcome lunch, even if this is your first Sunday. Just come and uh, let us know that you're here on the welcome desk. Like I say, I'm normally here, but of late I've been away. I'm doing a role for our denomination, uh, the grouping of churches that are the Baptist churches of Great Britain, Baptist Together, Baptist Union of Great Britain. I'm the president for this year. And so the last few weeks actually have taken me away. And uh, I wanted to give you a little snapshot of that. We've been doing this app called One Second Every Day since about May. We don't do it every day when we're sitting at home. It looks a bit boring. But on other days, we do like a One Second Every Day app, or rather Sue does. So I thought I'd just show you a quick snapshot of kind of the last couple of months of some of the places that we've been. There's a little bit of audio with this. So that explains everything for you. <laughs> then just a couple of things to uh, say about that. I'll leave the app open in case anybody wants to uh, download it. Fully recommend it. Um, there are normally more people there. That's the first thing to say. We take those uh, clips either at the beginning or the end. And Sue is with me, but she's the one taking these clips. We'll have to try and get Sue in some of these clips as well. Other things that probably need some clarification. Um, yes, we really do have a gadget for folding shirts, or at least I do. Um, it really belongs to my son, Alex. But shockingly, you don't seem to need that at university. So um, I've been using it and making good use of that. Um, and also, just to say, uh, towards the end of that clip, there were a couple of people on that clip. This woman, um, it was in one of the seminars that we were doing, is the wife of the second ever minister in our church. So she's Jill Watton, and um, she was just delighted to uh, find herself um, revisiting some of the stories of our church and where our church was at. So positive. And the guy on the right, you might not know him, but he's the brother of one of the deacons, past deacons of our church. So he is um, David Mellon, Andy Mellon's brother, for those who have been here a long time. And he is now the head of Nottingham Council. And so it was great to be with him. He was leading one of the services that we were at and to give this message about whole life discipleship, which is one of the things that we were doing, was particularly appropriate as he just takes on this role of leader of Nottingham Council. 
So go on praying for us. We're in a little season where we're on holiday for a couple of weeks and then we're back for most of the summer. But it's been great visiting a variety of places, hugely warm reception uh, wherever we go. And wherever we go, we ask people to pray for you guys too. And we go on praying for you in this mixture of being here 50% of the time and away 50% of the time this year. Some of you know that in my study at home, I've got two big walls, this is just one of them, of books. And I can never remember the author or the title, so I organise my books by the colour of the book cover. That's just something that I do. Ian remembers this um, from when he f- I first started here, and I asked him to look at the, my bookshelf and say, Ian, just tell me how I've classified these. And he couldn't work it out. It was really annoying to him. And then when I did show him, he brought Rosie in. Rosie, come and look at this. Look, you know, look how I organise my books. So I've just always done that um, and organised them by books. If you ever write in a book, I think there's a bit of a niche for some green books. There's less green <laughs> books would be my recommendation regardless of what Christian book you choose to write. Recently, some of our family were around and we must have been bored because someone came up with a game. They said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go into Ken's office, we're going to look at all the book titles, we're going to come back and we're going to state a book title that may or may not be real. And everybody else has to guess um, whether the book title is real or not. I know some of you, you know, play online adventure games of one sort or another. This is the adrenaline-fueled house that I <laughs> live in. So I thought you'd just try and join in with me. So is this a real book, do you think, everybody? Who moved my church? Real or false? So right hand real, left hand false. Real book or false book? Okay, so it is a real book, everybody. It's a play on a kind of, um, and Who Moved My Cheese, which is a slightly more famous book, or not. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I've only got three of these. The content of contentment. The content of contentment, real or false? Right hand real, left hand false. Okay, that's a false book, totally made, totally made up, looked it up on Amazon, doesn't exist. And piece by piece, piece. Piece by piece, piece. Real, right hand real, left hand false. Some of you not even guessing anymore. You just can't. You, you're not welcome to my house if you don't join in these games. So piece by piece, piece was uh, one that I made up and doesn't exist either. Is not either available in Amazon. Those last two I think should be book titles though. So, and I'm a bit busy this year, so if you want to write either of those, we'll come to some arrangement over my commission involved in them. Piece by piece, piece is the Jewish understanding of peace. It is developed in a number of ways, not just by one way. And so here, when we find one of the great miracles of the Bible, and Naaman is sent out with peace, what I want us to explore is what that actually means, and it being more than what might first appear. A man named Naaman is healed of leprosy, and we can read it and and simply just read it that way and feel blessed by it. It's one of the Bible's great miracles. And if we're talking about the God of the universe, then there are going to be some great miracles along the way. This is one of them. So let's read it, appreciate it, and in a way, let's move on. Except along the way... There are two or three things, three, I think, that I want us to really get today. And key for me today is the phrase, go in peace. Peace was also the way that Ellen ended the dedication phrase, picking up another Old Testament passage and the blessing of Aaron. 
and give you his peace. We said to Florence, well timed Florence, excellent. And give you his peace. So the first thing I want us to get is that when God does something, he does it his way, not ours. He does it his way, not ours. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army, um, Aram's army, and well regarded as a military man. But he had leprosy, and his Israelite servant girl suggested to Elisha that suggested that he goes to Elisha to be healed. Elisha was one of the great hero figures of this part of the Old Testament and a prophet who believes God can do amazing things and has seen God do amazing things. Naaman left for Israel and he's got a set of expectations, you see, as to how something like this should happen. This is how you receive healing, he's thinking. This is how you receive an important person like me, like a commander of an army. This is how a prophet should address me. I should take a large sum of money and some clothes and some other things. It's good to take a letter from my king to their king. They're under our authority, so they're going to want to follow us, and so on and so on. Asking the king of Israel to heal Naaman. And the king of Israel's reaction was panic. How could anyone cure leprosy, he thinks. And the king of Israel thought that Ben-Hadad was trying to start a fight. At that point... Just by the way, you've got to love the contrast between the servant who is full of faith, this young servant, even though she's been exiled and is now serving a foreign power, and the king who has no faith at all. And when the prophet Elijah does hear about the king's distress, he said to the king, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman, still living with his expectations of how things happen, he turns up towards Elisha's place, still with chariots and gifts and servants, and Elisha doesn't even come out to meet or greet Naaman. Instead, he sent a message to wash in the Jordan River seven times to be healed. And Naaman was angry because he's got this list of expectations, you see saying, that's not how things are done around here. That's not how important people like me are treated, I'm thinking he's saying. I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his Lord and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. And then he refers to his rivers and how are they not cleaner than the rivers that he's being asked to wash in. And then Naaman's servants urge him to reconsider, and Naaman wisely does. And the lesson there was pride, surely which was almost his undoing. Too proud and stubborn to follow the prophet's simple instructions. He almost bypassed the blessing that was available. And again, there's lessons for us there about he does it his way, not ours. And pride can get in the way of that for any one of us if we think he'll do it in a particular way. This could be key for us today. If God is God, then there are going to be some things that are surprises for us because he will do things his way, not ours. And again, the servants are the unsung heroes in this. They're not named, but it's Naaman's servants who persuade him that actually this is pretty simple, give it a go, Naaman, and they're, and they're prepared to do it. And the fact that they do that is a sign, a further sign that he's a good person to serve and a good person to work for. Neither those servants or his wife's servant have to do this, but they're looking to do it because he's somebody worth reaching out to. So the key lesson is surely that this is, it requires us to humbly come. And we don't have to be fully sorted to humbly come. We don't have to be fully sorted to pray. 
I was thinking about that this week when somebody sent me a video clip of uh, a round of golf. Not surprising, if you know me, I enjoy golf. But this guy on uh, the right, um, my right on the left as you look at the screen, is Joel Ward. And Joel Ward is a footballer, he's a Crystal Palace uh, player, he's played in the Premier League for Palace more than any other player, but he's a local guy. So uh, Joel Ward uh, went to the nearest school from here. Some of you went to Bishop Luffer. Joel Ward went to Bishop Luffer. He's a Christian, and on this round of golf, which took place about a week and a half ago, just locally at Goodwood, um, with a guy who's called Tubes. I don't really know Tubes. That's his nickname, I'm hoping. I don't think he was dedicated as Tubes. But um, he's, in, he's on Sky TV as a kind of comedy thing about, about football. And uh, Tubes picks up on the fact that Joel is a Christian, in fact, I think Rob, who's leading worship, went to Joel's wedding a couple of years ago. So he's, he's, a, he's a Christian. He goes to a local church in Emsworth, New Life, Emsworth, or he did before he, he plays um, and lives now in South London, uh, playing for Palace. And so Tubes asks him about prayer. And I've, I've taken just two clips because the first clip, he just says, look, I know nothing about it, really. Like, do you have to do it all the time? Are there rules about when you pray, where you pray, and so on? And then they play another few holes, I'm going to edit that out for you because only I'm interested in that and one or two others. And then on another bit, they're walking towards a green, having played some more holes. And he says, Look, I prayed when I was in my deepest need. Do you think God heard me? Let's have a listen. So both just reach out to God. Both receive healing, neither in the way they're expecting. When God does something, he does it his way, not ours. It requires us to humbly come. And then I just want us to notice that what then happens to Naaman is much more than he bargained for. When we discover God is real, it changes everything. I know this is cheesy, but literally what happens to him is more than skin deep. It affects every aspect of his life. I haven't used this going to other churches, this passage, but it occurs to me that I could do because what happens is actually a whole life discipleship application for him. He realizes it affects every aspect of his life. When we discover God is real, it changes everything. He then says, and this isn't what he came for, now I know there's no God in all the world except Israel. And then he works through a variety of implications of that. He's still got a lot to learn. He's not got everything sorted. Still wants to give some money away. Uh, I've preached on this passage once before, not very long ago, um, over Remembrance, and, and we picked up the, the verses that follow this, and Elisha's servant wants to revisit the fact that Elisha doesn't want the money, and it doesn't go very well for him, but uh, you can revisit that in, November if you, in November's uh, online podcast if you want that bit of the message. But for today, I'm concentrating on other things. He, he knows that this God is the only real one, And so it's like he does a little inventory in his life, of his whole life, and thinks of the roles that he plays in the light of this new knowledge and tries to work out whether there's any area where this is going to be an issue. And he works out there might be. If God is God, then it affects every area. There's this area where I serve my king, and he goes to worship this other deity, and I'm going I'm to have to go with him. I'm going to have to help him bow down. I'm going to ask Elijah about that. But I'm going to worship this God for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to take as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. Now, we work with a different system now. We're in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. You don't have to steal earth from our garden before you leave here. But they're thinking of Exodus 20, probably, and making an altar of earth. 
um, for sacrifice and burnt sacrifices. They're also probably thinking that the land in Israel is holy, so there's a bit of that going on. But the important thing is this is a commitment for the rest of his life. And you can imagine maybe a bit of a community developing when he goes back because there's his wife's servant is already a follower of, of God and he is and others have now seen this miracle. And so he thinks it through and he's going to go to the Rimmon Temple because his boss does and he's going to have to bow down. What if we did the same exercise, you see? What if we said, if God is God, it affects every area of our lives going to do a little inventory of my life, the way I work, the things that I look at online, the conversations that I have, the places I choose not to go, and the places I go, the way I spend my hours, when I choose to sleep and wake, how much rest I put into my life and how much work, how much I care for others, my whole life where I go and what I allow my eyes to see and my ears to hear, is there any area I need to be just reviewing that? That's what he does, and it's an important thing to do. And then Elisha says, go in peace. But I want to say that when we say go in peace, there is more than a feeling. We find here a phrase in Scripture that might be just read as, yep, fine, Elisha's saying, but I think he's saying more than that, much more, probably. Let's just think about this. Elisha has just spoken these words to the army commander of Aram. The Aram commander has uh, been a fierce invader of Israel. And Naaman's just told him that when he goes back to his pagan land, he'll be visiting a pagan temple of the god Rimmon, and he will bow down right smack in the middle of this active idol worship. And Elisha says, go in peace. But probably Naaman's already given enough to indicate that his heart's not in that, that he's having to do it as part of his role. So maybe there's a bit of go in peace in, in the sense of what is going on there. But it's interesting that Elisha doesn't say, oh, we'll stay here, leave your previous role and serve here with me where it's safe. He sends him back to this difficult place because it's the place that he's needed, just as our God sends most of us back to wherever we will be this week rather than staying here in church. There's some other things going on though as well with peace. It's a, it's a deeply qualitative, value-loaded phrase in Jewish culture to offer God's shalom to someone. To say go with God's peace is to mean also go and convey peace. Be the person who conveys peace for others. Maybe he's saying that as well. Maybe he's saying go and let the peace of God guide you. So it's not just go and that's fine. Go and, and your sense of peace or lack of peace is one of the ways God guides you. Maybe saying that to Naaman and to us too as we apply this to our lives. Maybe he is saying, you know who you're really worshipping, so let that guide you. At least twice in our translations when it says that Jesus says go in peace, when you look at the words, he doesn't actually say go in peace. Jesus follows the tradition of the rabbis of the time and he says go into peace. Most rabbis left go in peace for funerals, for a blessing when someone had died. Go into peace is more active. It means carry this peace with you, surely. Be somebody who works at it rather than just receives it as a warm, fuzzy feeling. 
Go in peace. Live that peace. Be guided by it. Be known for it. Convey it. The Lord bless you and keep you, we said to Florence, and we say to each one of us. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. This day and tomorrow, whatever you do, peace by peace, peace. When God does something, he does it his way, not ours. Our expectations can limit what God will do if we let them dominate. Our God is the God of surprises. When God does something, he, it changes everything. This is the game changer. When we accept God is real and true, that changes everything. So we can do a review, a little inventory of our lives and see if there's any area we need to be accountable for again. When we go in his peace, there's more than a feeling. Live that peace. Go into peace. We're not called to stay here where peace might be more readily a feelable thing. But as we go from here, be guided by his peace and convey his peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. This day and wherever we are tomorrow. Amen. Amen.